It is the Spirit of 2016 podcast. My name's Andy Bell. I'm joined by Luke Niblock to preview an actual association football match, Nib. After 271 days, Northern Ireland are back playing a football match again. It feels weird, doesn't it? I mean, yeah, almost. It was getting to the point where I never thought that was going to be happening again. Honestly, mate, it's been a strange time and like the world is still a wee bit weird at the minute. But it's nice for football fans that we've got some definite dates to look forward to now. Yeah, absolutely. Here, just before I start, can I just say a massive congratulations to Coleraine Football Club. Did I take it you saw that last night? You did. So you, you mentioned that. Yeah. Maribor away. Coleraine, who <laughs> I think I think lost seven nil last year to a team that finished sixth in Norway. I've just gone to Maribor, who you see in, in the Champions League a lot of years. You see in the Europa League group stages playing Liverpool, Chelsea, Spurs. That is that is one of the best results in Irish league history. You know we don't like to do. Irish League in this podcast because you mentioned one team and you're accused of all sorts of bias but you know I don't even care with this one you can call me bias all you like I'm, I'm sure you can hear from the accent I'm not from Coleraine but yeah. absolute fair play to those points oh, I guess that's, that's incredible yeah I mean that that's when you told me that I was a wee bit gobsmacked like to be fair going through in penalties like that was that's mental man oh, like, it's, it's utterly crazy I was I was thinking about my predictions for the game and I because you know, Glenn were playing in Motherwell uh, at the same time, and I was sort of thinking that Glenn Torn could maybe get a result there the way Motherwell have started the yeah. season. Um, ended up losing five one, but you know they were they held them for about sixty minutes. I think they got a red card, but they were unlucky there. But you know I I watched the first sort of fifteen minutes of it of it, and then had 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 a few things to do. Came back to it at the end, uh, and I'd I'd seen it was one on. They'd taken them to extra time, and I thought you know no matter what happens now, it's incredible. But they they actually go an extra thirty minutes with these full time professional footballers. Uh, and then to win in penalties when they already lost a, an Irish Cup semi-final in penalties only a month before, psychologically to go there and get that result, it's just absolutely crazy and fair play to them. Uh, yeah, we, people call Ryan buzzing. Must bear, be. And bear in mind, I, I got accused of bias on the Facebook page for posting about Joel Kipper's move to Oxford because I didn't post about some young player that didn't go from Glen Torn. So right, imagine okay. what, the, what what accusations the Ballymena fans <laughs> listen to me say. No, I'm only messing. I'm, I'm sure they'll I'm sure they'll completely understand. But yeah, I just wanted yeah. to get that in because it's just it's like it's such a mad mad result. And, oh yeah. You know, let's see who they get in the next round. It could be could be an incredible story. But uh, we are here to preview, uh, as I say, a game of association football, as mad as that sounds. We've got Romania away in the Nations League. So normally when we do previews like this, we do a bit of a double header. Um, you know, we'll, we'll talk about both games and we'll review both games. We thought because, uh, obviously, it's Barraclough's first game. It's a new era. It's a new time for Northern Irish football. Uh, we'll preview this game on its own, do a reaction to this game on its own, and then we'll be back... Um, for the Norway game uh, as well, if that sounds good. So, first thing we're going to do is just talk about the Nations League in general. So, uh, obviously, I, <laughs> the Facebook page has made its name based on permutations, but <laughs> if, I could, if, I could, if I could briefly sort of explain this one, it's slightly easier. So, in terms of uh, how this affects a playoff for the World Cup in 2022 in Qatar, essentially, if we want to wrap up a playoff before qualifying proper starts, uh, we need to win, win our group, win our Nations League group. Uh, comprising of Romania, Austria and Norway. So we need to win the group. Uh, it doesn't actually absolutely guarantee us a playoff, uh, but the more convincingly we would win the group, the more points we accrue, uh, the more chance we would have of getting a playoff. So uh, can we win the group? I think when you look at it, like obviously you see Austria as kind of the first name in that group and you, you think, okay, you think back to the Nations League and I think it was late 2018, we lost yeah. coming away there. Um, to Austria, 
And then you've got Romania and you've got Norway. Now, the, what I think about that, that, I feel like we've played these teams so many times before. Do you know what I mean? I look at these yeah, It's not very exciting, is it? It's not very exciting. Well, it's not draw. very exciting in that sense. And it is a, it's a tricky draw for us, if we're being honest. But I do think we can target Norway and Romania and say that we could go for maximum points in those games. Like, it's definitely a realistic goal. We've seen Stranger Things. And then with Austria, it's just on the day, like, you know, what you know what you can do in those games. So, I mean, I think we can definitely win the group, yeah. And, and it would be a bit mental if we did qualify for, for the uh, the World Cup playoff um, by winning that. It would be kind of one of those things you just, it's yeah, it would just be a bit bizarre if we managed to do that. So I think it's really about the Norway games. I think we have, no, it's about the Austria games. I think we have them home first, however that's going to work out. I don't know if it's going to be neutral venues or whatever, but um it's just those Austria games, really, I think. Yeah, quite possibly. I mean, uh, Norway, as you say, we played a couple of years ago. Um, beat them at home, lost away when we already qualified for a playoff, if you remember. Um, so, uh, and, and Austria, as you say, as well. But, I mean, the, the difference for Norway is, is Erling Haaland, isn't it? I mean, we're not going to play yeah. that game because we're going we're gonna to be able to talk about that on Friday uh, yeah. after we talk about the Romania game as well. But, you know, it's just, it's, it's hard to know what kind of a proposition they'll be because yeah. they look distinctly... Apart from him, they look distinctly average, but the, the, he is absolutely brilliant and can win the game on his own. So we'll just have to see about that. I mean, for me, and we, we're going to talk about the uh, Romania game uh, in, a, in a bit more detail uh, later on. Uh, we're just going to talk about the Nations League in general now, but I sort of think Romania is definitely the one we, we need to be targeting. Romania is the game where we should be targeting six points, I think, yeah. if we are to win the group. You know, ordinarily, draw away to Romania would be fine, but I think if we're going to win this group, which, you know, we might as well be targeting, uh, in order to to uh, to qualify, then I think I think Romania is where we're going to need to get six points. Anyway, the approach to the Nations League. So obviously, M Michael O'Neill didn't take this overly seriously, uh, or you, you know, you could say he didn't take it seriously. He used it to blood the youth, which then benefited us in in, in later years. Baraclough said it's not going to be an experimental tournament. Um, it's he's gonna he's going to use these games to prepare for Bosnia, which is obviously in a month's time, which is you know the game we've been looking forward to for nearly a year now. He says it's not. He's not going to be experimental, and he's going to use these games to prepare. So um, it's it, it's a bit of a tough one because you know with no international friendlies now, and I think you know we're all quite happy not to have those. Um, but with no international friendlies now, and if you're taking the Nations League seriously as well, when do you sort of give young players a go and and give these players international experience? Well, it's difficult, I think, for for him because he's just in the job now and I think you know if he if he started his campaign with Northern Ireland you know losing to Romania away and then Norway as well you know mm. you would have like I know it's not really like you know the be all and end all the Nations League but you would have people questioning him and that's the last thing he'd want you know in his first two games as manager so I think it makes total sense to me why Barclough would be taking this one seriously and you know at the end of the day there is a route to a World Cup playoff there you know there is something that can come out of it it's not just you know, kind of a, a friendly that's made to look a bit more official. You know, there is something that you can get from this from this tournament. So, so I think we do need preparation for, the, um, for this massive game against Bosnia. You know, we haven't had any football international-wise for, for some time now, as, as you know. So I think he's, he's well within his rights to take this one seriously. And I think it'll be good preparation for the guys in the squad. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that, 100%. I mean... What's going to be tricky is, you know, you can say you can take this Nations League as seriously as you like, but we're going to have triple headers in October and November. Uh, well, certainly in October, if we get through Bosnia, we'll have a triple header in November as well. I mean, club managers are not going to want their, their guys playing three games in a week, especially uh, our players involved in Europe. I'm thinking the, the teams in Scotland and, uh, and Johnny Evans as well in the Europa League, uh, and potentially Jamal Lewis if he gets a big move as well. I mean, 
you know, eventually we are going to have to tinker with these. And I think Ian Barclough's going to have to pick his battles with club managers to an extent. You know, he's going to want his teams available for Bosnia and then the playoff final as well. Um, you know, how, how hard do you think that's going to be? He's going to really have to use the squad. And I guess that's uh, it's good that Michael's left such a good squad, which we haven't really seen with uh, with Northern Ireland in our in our lifetime supporting them. It's been a, a first 11, if even that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, you know, I think for these two games, we're going to see it. We're going to see a strong side. We're going to see more or less uh, the team. But, uh, you know, apart from that, I, th- I can see the other Nations League games potentially being used to, to rotate a little bit. Not necessarily weaken or, or go weaker, um, but to give guys a chance. I'm thinking guys like, you know, Matty Kennedy, who's playing every week for Aberdeen yeah. and hasn't hasn't been capped yet. Uh, no. I'm thinking, you know... Um, uh, I, I, can't, I can't even think of anyone else. I mean, Alan yeah. can if he's called into the squad. Yeah, um, you know, yeah. Play, play, players like that. Billy Peacock Farrell hasn't much uh, international experience. You know, using these games to to give these guys more experience. It'll just be interesting to see. I mean, how do you think you'll you'll have to play those triple headers? Like the club managers are definitely going to be in his ear. Yeah, well, I feel like in recent years, like this whole debate about you know these clubs not wanting their guys to play in these games internationally, it's just become more apparent. You know, I know as a United fan, like we we try to protect Rashford as much as we can from England setups and stuff in games like this. So it's just difficult. You know, it depends on the club, depends on the player. Like you say, there's going to be some clubs in Europe, you know, it, it, it's going to be hard to convince them. So it's going to test by our club's kind of trust with the squad depth that he has there. You know, He's probably going to have to bleed through a couple more youngsters. And, you know, the good thing with Barclough is he has worked with youngsters before in the setup. So I do think he'll have an eye on some players that can come through and emerge if squad depth becomes an issue. Um, so I think it'll be a test for him. And ultimately, you know, we'll see how he deals with it. You know, it could be one of the, the best factors of um, of Barclough's reign, maybe bringing through some of these younger players. I think that could be something that we really that really emerges for him. So. Yeah, I think I think it's a good challenge for him. And you know, like I said, you know, with the Nations League, it's not as you know, you know, as vital as this this game caught against Bosnia. So we'll just wait and see what he does with these triple headers. Yeah, 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 spot on. And uh, the fact that I suppose that Ian Barclay has been given an eighteen month contract suggests that after the next set of World Cup qualifiers, well, he he his job, the job that he's done, will be assessed and reviewed, and they'll see if they want to extend that contract. I mean. You know, you can say that, that Michael O'Neill got two years, but in those two years was just one qualifying campaign, if you know what yeah, I mean. Uh, or no, well, three years three years in total, because I think he took over in November of 2011. But in terms Aye. of Barraclough, in 18 months' time, Barraclough's going to have and had a Nations League campaign, six games with that, uh, a chance to qualify us for the Euros, and then, you know, uh, a World Cup qualification. Now, if if the playoffs go wrong and the, the, uh, the, the Nations League goes tits up as well, I mean, it's uh, it's gonna be he's gonna go into that World Cup qualifying campaign with with a bit of pressure on him, rightly or wrongly. So I think it's really important for Barraclough to to get this right and get some results in the Nations League. You know, Michael O'Neill was afforded that uh, a bit of credit in the bank with the 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 zero points in the Nations League, but I think Barraclough does need to to pick up some points, if not win the group. Yeah. You know, he needs we need to see some some signs that the the handover from Michael uh, to Ian Barraclough is. Uh, is producing some results for us. I mean, something interesting is that both Romania and Norway actually have playoffs to worry about as well. So they're both in playoffs for the Euros too. I think uh, Romania go away to Iceland and potentially mm. Norway play Serbia. I definitely should have done my research on that. But yeah. I mean, it's uh, 
you know, these guys are gonna are gonna have the same problems as us. They're gonna they're gonna have club managers in their ear telling them, look, we don't want this guy playing three games in a week. We maybe even we don't want this guy playing two games in a week. Um, yeah. Because th- those I think those playoffs are are on Thursdays and then we're playing Sunday and Wednesday as well. Yeah. So you know, the, the, Romania and Norway um, are gonna have these same problems as us, as you say. Austria have n- not only have the luxury of being probably the best team in the group, as you say, but also uh, not having a playoff to prepare for. They can fully concentrate in the Nations League, getting a playoff uh, secured for the World Cup and uh, and take it from there. So, that, so that, that'll just be interesting. Uh, anything yeah. else to say on the general approach to the Nations League? Well, suppose just on the point you raised there, you know, maybe the resting of players, you might see Norway have to rest, maybe um, Erling Holland. You might see Austria rest, Please. you know, David Alaba, these kind of guys, you know what I mean? So... Um, that could work in our favour as well. But like you said, I think the thing for Barclough is he will want to attack this Nations League. The last thing he'll want is people starting to compare him to Michael and start questioning his appointment. Like, Because that's that that can happen. Football is so reactionary these days that it really can happen. So, uh, yeah, I think he'll attack it. And that's all I can say on that front, really. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so just, just to wrap that part of the, the Nations League, uh, the general view of the Nations League up, well, what's coming up in the podcast is we are going to talk about the, the game against Romania specifically in more detail. Uh, we're going to talk about our, our lineup, our prediction, uh, and generally the, the vibe around that with uh, the game behind closed doors as well. We've got an interview with Romanian football journalist Emmanuel Roshu coming up. So he's going to be on to, to talk about the all things Romania, all things Romanian football as well. So really looking forward to doing that. I haven't actually done yet that yet, so that, that's coming a bit later, but um, we'll be able to put that in. But first of all, um, I think this is... Possibly why Gucci people have, have tuned into this podcast. This is a very difficult one to do as well because, you know, emotions are high on this topic and, you know, it's a debate that uh, will rage on. Mark Sykes won't be the first. Well, he isn't the first. He won't be the last to do this. But uh, we're, we're keeping it as apolitical as possible, as I guess, you know, keeping it to do just to do with football. I mean, first of all, it's a big blow because Mark Sykes is a good player. There's no doubt about that. You know, 23 years old, three goals, seven assists for Oxford last season, including a goal in the playoff final. Uh, a player that Ian Barraclough has, has talked of, having worked with him from day one uh, in the international setup. I mean, first of all, before we talk about the rule and the potential of, you know, lack of respect and compensation, it's, it's just a big blow on a football level. They've lost a good player, isn't it? Well, you've talked to me before about um, Sykes' kind of versatility and, and the his stats this season look pretty good. And you have to say, in, in that front, it is a blow for us. You know, we're not a squad that's blessed with depth and blessed with different talents here and there. And the thing with Sykes is, you know, he did come through a lot of our youth setups and, you know, he looked like a really promising player. So it, it does, it is a big blow for us. You know, it is a big blow no matter kind of what way you look at it. You know, it's um, the fact that he's represented us, you know, and, 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 and you know, Barclough knows him well. Um, it's just difficult. It's difficult to take those ones, obviously. But I think it's one of those situations that will just hopefully there'll be another young player that comes in and kind of takes that place, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, that could be Joel Cooper. That could be Paul Paul Smith. Uh, Gavin White, who's already had a few games for us. I mean, Joel Cooper yeah. has been called into the squad. We'll uh, talk a little bit about that and has done that actually very well for Oxford by all accounts in pre-season so far. Their fans have been very impressed with him. I think it's just, uh, I mean, you know, the system is is there to be abused at the end of the day. You know, James McLean has come out and openly admitted, you know, very honestly said that uh, he's he, he, he abused the system. He, you know, he, he came up through the the weaker team of Northern Ireland under 21s, we could get games, we could get recognised on an international stage. And, you know, no doubt those performances for our under 21s helped Mark Sykes, first of all, get his move across the water and, you know, get linked with, with Championship and, and Premier League clubs in the future. I mean, he really has used this as a platform. And, 
you know, while you can say the, the rules are there to be abused, I think it, it just shows a complete and utter lack of respect to the IFA, really, to make this decision at 23. You know, I understand not making, you know, it's a big decision, uh, whether it's whether it's political, whether it's to do with football, it's a big decision to be making. And nobody is saying these guys have to make this decision in primary school. But you must know before you're 23 that you want to play for the Republic of Ireland over Northern Ireland. Yeah, it's difficult. It's ultimately, like, you have to kind of deal with the cards that, you know, you've got in front of you. And under FIFA's rules, like, if you are eligible to play for Northern Ireland, you know, you're also entitled to play for the Republic. And that's just the way FIFA have it. You know, I think we challenged, the IFA challenged um, the Republic's kind of interpretation of those rules. Mm -hmm. It was at the Court of Arbitration for Sport. And, you know, we just lost that case, you know, um, because I think it was Daniel Kearns or something. It was a dual national. Um, and so he had that Irish citizenship and he was able to play just, you know, for, for both sides. So ultimately those rules are still the same and FIFA have kind of been consistent with their, their addressing of these rules. You know, that will continue. Players from the North will remain eligible, you know, to play for the Republic. It's just the way it is. So we've kind of had to make the best we can with that. And it's just, I think the one issue people will have with it um, is just that, you know, we've we've had resources kind of used on, on Mark Sykes that could have been used on someone else in the youth setups, you know, and that's, I think that's a difficulty people will have with it. Um, after he switched allegiances, you know, he, we have kind of brought him through the youth setups, as you've said, and, and put resources on him, and that might have taken an opportunity away from someone else, you just don't know. So that's the tricky situation in, in, in my eyes with that, you know. You know, I think yeah. Ireland had something similar. I mean, Republic of Ireland had something similar with obviously with Declan Rice going to play for England. You know, he took advantage of the Irish youth system there. There's, I think, there's stuff with um, even Neko Williams at Liverpool. You know, he's he's Welsh guy, but he's eligible to switch to England. Like this is just something that happens. You know, with with people's rulings, it's it's really tricky for us. Obviously, it would be in such a small country, but with a, such a small pool of players. But it's just the way the rules are at the minute. It is kind of tragic. Yeah, yeah, no, I completely agree. And, uh, and you know, just on that point you made there, you make a very good point because I think we're going to call this podcast Psyched Up for Romania. I think he would like that sort of play <laughs> yeah, words. I like that one. Yeah. Um, so, you know, who knows? We may have Republic of Ireland fans listening in to hear this debate and, and they might be saying, screaming at their phones or whatever they're listening to this podcast on, they may be saying, you know, what about Declan Rice? Do you, do you think the same about Declan Rice? Do you think the same about Jack Grealish, who, who, have, who have done basically the exact same thing, yeah, except moved yeah. to England? The answer to that is absolutely. Yeah, this isn't a Northern <laughs> Irish thing. This is, a, you know, this is a, a, a taking advantage of the system across the board. And, you know, Declan Rice has done it and Jack Grealish has done it. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm completely on their side with that. Um, you know, Republic of Ireland have obviously benefited from us and, and England have benefited from the Republic of Ireland. We don't really benefit from anyone because we, you know, by our <laughs> nature, we're a small country with small resources. Yeah. You know, who's uh, who's really going to make the switch to, to Northern Ireland? Um, who knows? If, if, if Ian Barraclough does really well with us, we could get, uh, um, uh, you know, Irish players potentially coming up here. I highly doubt it, though. Um, yeah. But, you know, uh, you know, on that point, absolutely. Yeah, Declan Rice, Jack Grealish, exactly the same. Um, yeah. And it's... It's one of these things because, as you know, obviously I've been I've been tweeting about this and putting it on the Facebook, which is, which is tough to do because you know you have to sort of watch the comments because you know people's emotions are high. But it, I, I saw a couple of English supporters saying like you know uh, about the likes of Alfie McCalmont uh, coming to play for Northern Ireland, and I think I'd say the difference with that is you know these are players that England don't want. You know these are. Yeah. These are players that that don't think they're well, either don't think they're good enough to play for England, or you know, if they if they had, they would make the switch. But I mean, the question is really, should there be some sort of compensation for the IFA for all this? Um, you know, at club level, and think, thinking as a Liverpool supporter, I remember when we signed Danny Ings from Burnley, who was under twenty three at the time. 
even though he was out of contract at Burnley and technically, you know, in any other, if he was over 23, you'd be able to sign him for a free. Even because he was under 23, Liverpool had to it had to go to a tribunal, and um, and Liverpool had to pay a sum of money to Danny Ings, even though he wasn't co- or to Burnley, sorry, even though Danny Ings wasn't contracted to Burnley. It happened yeah. again recently with a transfer. Uh, can't remember who it was, but you know, if this is the case at club level, and the argument at club level, uh, Harvey Elliott was the other one, sorry, Harvey Elliott from Fulham. Um, if this is the case at club level, and the argument at club level is that clubs use resources. Um, you know, bring these players up through. Um, it's it's essentially to stop big clubs bullying small clubs. You know, getting in their players' ears, saying, you know, if you run your contract down here, we'll be able to get you for free. It'll be a lot easier. It's basically to stop that, um, and the idea of that happening. Um, and that compensation package is is sort of based on the quality of the player, that the hype around the player as well. So, you know, just because the Republic of Ireland might have to to pay us some money for Mark Sykes or England might have to pay some money for Grealish or Rice, you know, we wouldn't have to pay much for Alfie McCallum because. As I say, England England don't want them, or, um, or you know maybe that's a bad example because he's come right through the system, and England may try to poach him. But yeah. you know we we have we have player George Savile, for example, twenty six years old, never going to play for for England. You know that that wouldn't be a case where compensation would be required. Um, do, do you think that that that's something that could potentially be introduced to the international level? Because I don't see you know why not the IFA is as much a, a business as 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 any independently invested football club. Well, that's true. I think. The, the point to make on this is that it's going to be an ongoing debate. Like, we know this is going to be an issue in future. There's going to be another player that comes along and something similar will happen. This is just the way the system is at the minute. So I think certainly, like, a, a deeper dive into that, taking a look at maybe the fact that our system, at the end of the day, our youth systems is kind of being abused in a way. I think a compensation role as an idea is something they could certainly look at. I think we need to look at that sooner rather than later just because this is going to continue in, in the current climate. Um and it's just, if there could be anything that comes out of this for the IFA, then compensation might be one of those easy things to kind of arrange, you know, slightly easier things to arrange rather than a complete rehaul of the rules. So, um, you know, it's 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 a difficult situation really for all involved. And I think that needs to be looked at in, in the foreseeable, yeah. Do you think there's an argument for, uh, just to wrap up on this, um, do you think there's an argument that there's an age at which you should be, you should have to decide what country you're going to play for? You know, ideally, international uh, international football that would be chosen based on you know how how you know how you feel your identity rather than just you know where can I get more games or where can I further my career. And um, do you think there's an age at which you know you could do could, you could say at eighteen you know um, kids up and down the country are making decisions at eighteen that are going to affect their life that are going to affect their future. Yeah. You know why 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 should football be any different? And that would that would help protect these these associations. Um, you know, yeah. to an extent, what do you think that's something, you know, I mean, you know, feel free to disagree because a lot of people will say, you know, at 18, you're in no position to make, you know, make yeah. these decisions which may be politically influenced. But I don't know. I think there should be there should be some sort of a cutoff. 23 is just ridiculous, I think. I mean, I can, I can definitely understand that. I think 23 is quite far into it, but I think you'll always kind of run into the problem of player power we bit in these situations, you know, whether it be players that do just they as they kind of get into their career more and become a bit more relevant in in whatever league they're playing in you know they will make these decisions these big decisions that that kind of change the you know the complexion of other you know their international future so like you look at someone like i mean this is a strange example but like someone like jamie vardy you know if he had some kind of nationality thing going on in his his, his, career, his career as well he might yeah. decide to play for you know you say quote unquote a bigger nation in terms of football par you know, as he becomes more relevant through the league system. So it's just, there's, there's always going to be an, an unhappy party, no matter what 
you come mm-hmm. to in terms of this this uh, this issue and that's just life, isn't it? Really, like. And, yeah, absolutely. I think I think I think you've you've got that spot on. We can pretty much wrap that up there. But as I say, you know, I think compensation. That's uh, as you say. There's always going to be an unhappy party, and that 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 tribunal, that 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 level of compensation is there to sort of smooth the blow for the club sides. And you know, I really don't see how it's any different from international. I know there's no yeah. there's no independent investment. There's no, players aren't signed for big money, and, and wages aren't paid. But you know, these you know the market will dictate what that compensation would be. It wouldn't obviously be millions. It wouldn't be the same. But you know, it is it is it would be some money that the IFA could use to you know bring through another player and 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 uh, to potentially replace Mark Sykes um, if it's in the yeah. same position. I don't know. It, it is a tough one. Like I'm sure it's not the the last time we'll be having this debate on the podcast. No, no. Um, no. I'm going to wrap it up there, and I'm going to go to the interview with Emmanuel Roshu, a Romanian football journalist now, um, who spoke to me uh, about all things Romanian football and the game coming up on Friday night. Just a quick disclaimer guys, there is some strong language about six minutes into this interview uh, at around 31.50 I think it is, so uh, just bear that in mind if you're listening around young kids or whatever. Enjoy the interview. I'm delighted now to be joined by Romanian football journalist Emmanuel Roshu. Emmanuel, thank you so much for coming on this podcast. Hey, thank you for having me. No problem at all. Um, the first question is about the appointment of Mirel Radoi. So sorry if I've got that pronunciation slightly off. But uh, so, like Northern Ireland, Romania have a new uh, new football manager in town. Um, what has the reaction been from the media and the supporters to this appointment? Well, it was a, a natural uh, appointment. Radoi had uh, done great with the under twenty one team at the Euros in uh, twenty nineteen in Italy. Uh, we reached the semi-finals after uh, beating England. Uh, and Croatia and uh, getting a draw against uh, France uh, in the group stage. Mm -hmm. So uh, Radoi's profile as a football manager uh, got really high because of these great results. And it wasn't just the the results that uh, got him in this position, but also uh, the way we managed to, uh, to play in that final tournament, because uh, for years now, the Romanian national team is uh, uh, the exact opposite of the generation of Haji and Popescu and all the big names uh, in the national team uh, in the 90s and early 2000s. Now we have a national team which is uh, very more, uh, is very compact. They play closed football, they don't attack. Uh, They cannot really uh, say that they have the spirit the the golden generation had. So uh, players aren't technical enough. Players uh, have problems even against uh, opposition that fans and media think we should uh, beat uh, without many problems. So that was the main uh, the mediocrity of the of the Romanian football as a general environment. Uh, is the big problem uh, for the uh, for the Romanian national team and for the entire football in the in the past 10 15 years okay so this uh, this manager came uh, uh, at the helm of the the national team the under 21s he did great he played uh, football uh, with uh, great courage and that's what fans were really after he has a good generation uh, he has Haji, uh, Haji's son, Yanis, who plays for Rangers yes, in the yeah. team. 
that's a, a big hope for the Romanian football fans because, yeah, we, we were looking for a savior. And when you have the name Haji on your back, that's <laughs> a lot of uh, pressure on you. And it's not uh, always a nice, nice thing for the kid. But yeah, we we try to try to uh, make the most out of every signal, out, out of every sign of uh, optimism we can uh, actually get. So yeah, uh, this generation of uh, uh, under 21 players uh, really made us hope, made us hope that we could be something else uh, than we were in the past 15 years, unfortunately. Yes, of course. Um, and obviously, Northern Ireland's new manager, uh, Ian Barraclough, has said that he, he won't be experimental in the Nations League, that he will be taking it seriously and he'll be using the, the match to prepare for the, the playoff against Bosnia in October. Obviously, Romania also have a playoff uh, coming up in October. I think you play Iceland. So, um, yeah, we play Iceland away. So, do you expect Mirel Radoy to use these games as a, as a preparation? For Iceland and therefore to play his strongest 11? Uh, he will definitely use the strongest 11. Maybe without Mitrica, who plays now for New York City FC, and he was quite good. Uh, he's a technical uh, poor man's Lionel Messi in, <laughs> in Romania. He's very short and very skilled, and uh, yeah, he, he gets. Uh, he catches the eye, you know. He's that kind of player. Yes. But he wasn't called for this uh, for these two games against Northern Ireland and Austria. It was a kind of big debate here whether Radoy did the right thing or not. He motivated that uh, Mitrica should have uh, quarantined for two weeks. He had a good argument uh, to sustain his uh, his position, not calling him. But at the same time. Uh, Mitrica had some attitude problems with the, the previous national team manager. So maybe it's not the, the, full, uh, the full picture that he gave us, but explanation was, uh, was accepted by, uh, by the media and the fans. Okay, and there are a few, a few new names uh, in the team, around the five or six players who haven't been in contact with the national team, uh, ne have never been in contact with the national team. But I think it's part of his uh, revolution rather than uh, uh, trying to, to uh, play a, a weakened side before the, uh, before the playoffs with, with Iceland. I think for him, this, these are the, the best players he could uh, pull right now. Uh, he will try in his every game to win. That he won't experiment. He knows how important the, the Nations League was taken very seriously before in the first edition. And uh, it will be taken uh, likewise this time again. So uh, he will try to get do the best to, to win both games and to, to get the most out of, uh, of the games against uh, you guys and uh, Austria as well. Okay, very interesting. And in terms of like, how do the Romanian supporters view this match against Northern Ireland and the media as well? Do they, do you guys see this as a match you should be winning? Would you be very disappointed if you didn't beat Northern Ireland on Friday night? Well, we don't have many expectations because uh, we've been, I don't know if you allow words like shit, but I'm still going to say it. 
Yeah, that's fine. We've been shit for years now, like ever since I don't know where. I think our last decent home game was against uh, Northern Ireland in the qualifiers for 2016 when you beat we beat you guys uh, 2-0 if I yeah. remember. Uh, but we've been really really poor uh, in the past in the past games. I refer to that game as as a good game because we really managed to control the game and we I felt as a as a support and as a journalist, like uh, I watched a team which, uh, from the first minute, uh, showed uh, a good attitude towards the game and a winning attitude towards uh, towards the game. But we did manage to uh, get some decent results after that, maybe uh, in the qualifiers for 2020. Now we drew against Sweden. We drew against uh, we we didn't draw against Sweden. We, uh, we drew against Norway. Uh, we had the chance to win uh, both games, but bo- all the results came after very, very, very bad performances from from us. We had the chance to draw against uh, Spain as well at some point in the home game. And also in that game, we had like 10 or 15 or 20 minutes combined from out of the 90 when we were like, uh, yeah, we can do it. But not. Uh, apart from that, uh, we were very, very bad uh, throughout, uh, uh, throughout the qualifiers and throughout the, the, the past five, six years. Because we don't have uh, the players we used to, and you you can see that uh, from the numbers on the back of the of the players on the players' shirts, we changed. We keep changing the number ten. Now it's Yanis uh, uh, Hajis, but in the past we kept uh, we kept uh, switching the number ten because uh, players were disappearing. They were appearing again. They were not good enough. Uh, they were on the bench, the number 10, and even Haji Sr. was very, very unhappy because of uh, the role of the number 10 in the national team. Uh, he saw the number 10 on the bench. Uh, I think it belonged to Alex Maxim uh, uh, when uh, when he made the, the comment. And he said it's impossible for the Romanian national team not to have a number 10 uh, like he was to, to lead the team forward to... Uh, to show the team the way uh, they should g- all go, because that's uh, that's a signal. It may be a minor detail for uh, uh, in the big picture, but it actually shows that uh, we don't have a player we could really call the number ten. We don't have a player we could really call the number nine, and so on. We don't really have a, a team, and that's what people expect from Radoi to do. To get the spirit from the under 21s and uh, to integrate those players in the the new national team he's uh, trying to build. It will be his first uh, game. He was appointed uh, after the the qualifiers for uh, ended for uh, 2020, but he didn't uh, manage to make his debut. And people are really curious how uh, will he uh, do to integrate uh, everyone and. How will this new national team look like against uh, Northern Ireland? Okay, and you you mentioned Ianis Hadji there. Of course, he's a he's a player that 
Uh, I don't know if you know, there's a, a big, big uh, Rangers fan base in Northern Ireland. So he's a player that a lot of uh, of Northern Irish people will, will already know before this game. Is there any other players that uh, Northern Ireland should be wary of? Uh, I know George Puskas has scored some goals in the championship for Reading last season. Um, but apart from that, there aren't really many household names in that Romanian team that Northern Ireland fans will know. So are there any are there any other players that Northern Ireland should be wary of apart from Ian Asadji? Uh, you shouldn't you shouldn't uh, be scared of anyone. I would okay. really, I would really tell you to watch Stanchu because his his performances haven't always been top, but he's in a very good form now at club level with Slavia Prague, uh, and he's a very good player uh, all around. I think he's one of the uh, few players who I can say is in form from the Romanian national team. So, uh, yeah, I think he will be uh, the star more than uh, Yanis will. I think he, because he has also a good relationship with, with Radoi, Stanchu played at Stawa, uh, Radoi coached him at Stawa in 2015. So, uh, Radoi was the captain of Stawa. They had a very good, he was like his idol because every Stawa fan used to look up to Radoi. Uh, as an idol because he was very influential. He was uh, a leader from all points of view and Stau was doing really well. They reached the uh, UEFA Cup semi-finals in 2006 with Rodoy as their captain and he was very, very important for the national team too. He was part of the team uh, qualified uh, uh, at the Euros in 2008 and yeah, he he will probably get the best out of Stanchu, even though the previous managers uh, could rarely uh, count on him as uh, as a player at the level of expectance uh, his potential would uh, uh, would hope you uh, to get from him because he's he's fantastic as a, an individual player, but wasn't uh, really uh, on his top. Uh, on his at his best uh, for the national team uh, quite uh, very often. So we hope that Redoy will get the best of him. And I would say that uh, these details, the fact that he's in form now at in uh, at his club at Slavia Prague, that he's a mature player, more mature player, and that he's coached by Redoy, who uh, he looks up to and he believes that uh, is more than than his manager. He was his idol as a, as a kid and uh, things like that. I think that this is a good moment for Stanchu to to really uh, get to the level people expect from him to uh, to reach in the national team. Okay, interesting. We'll have, keep an eye on Stanchu as well then. Uh, finally, Emmanuel, what is your prediction for the match? You, you've been uh, not so optimistic about the quality of Romania, but do you think that Mirel Radoy can really um, get the spirits together with Romania and get a win on Friday night. What's your prediction? Yeah, you asked me before about uh, the, the the what the impression is uh, from the fans before the game, and I, I didn't answer, and I re I uh, I just realized that, and I'm going oh, to tell you that people uh, didn't really had the time to uh, concentrate on. Uh, on the national team because we had so much happening uh, with the club teams and it's like that for us uh, really uh, we 
only focus on the national team uh, the week before. Uh, apart from that, uh, we don't uh, uh, we don't talk too much about the national team. But before the game and after the game, like we have twenty thousand, twenty million people uh, being the manager and the player and the goalkeeper and the striker <laughs> of the national team. So the pressure is will grow up and it will be immense uh, uh, in the days uh, before the game on Thursday on Wednesday. And the players and Redoy will feel that uh, surely, even though the game will be played uh, without uh, without fans in the stands. Uh, talking about the, the expectancies, well, judging by our performance, I won't say I wouldn't say that Romanian fans really expect have any uh, any expectance from uh, from the Romanian team because we've been pretty bad. But the fact that it's Redoy's debut and uh, uh, we have quite some new players, uh, and he did well for the under-21s. I think that people really expect us to to win this game. And me, uh, I'm I wanna I'm one of the the the, the people that uh, believe that Radoi uh, will win his first game in charge of the the national team. Okay, well, uh, I hope you're wrong, Emmanuel. But thank you very much for coming on this podcast and speaking to me. Thank you. No problem. It was a pleasure. Massive thanks to Emmanuel uh, Roshi for his time there and uh, talking about the Romanian national football team. Uh, Nib, on to Northern Ireland. Um, let's focus on ourselves now. This game is going to be behind closed doors, as we know, um, as is the game against Norway uh, on Monday night as well, uh, which we're going to talk about in a separate podcast. But as much as uh, the game against Norway, not playing, you know, not having that Windsor crowd behind us that so often spurs us on at home and has helped our home form for for the last decade. I mean, you know, on the, on the converse to that, Romania is is normally a, a country where you go to and there's a really good atmosphere. It's a hostile atmosphere mm-hmm. and it's an atmosphere that's very hard to play in. Um, and that you know their home form's been very good as well. So just to focus on 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 this one fixture, I mean, it's going to be a massive benefit to us that this game's not being played in front of uh, thirty thousand manic Romanians. I mean, yeah, everyone talks about like a twelfth man, you know, in terms of in terms of football. But I think for us, you know, with the no fans thing, it's just the two, the quality of the two sides. You know, who's the more quality side who can take their chances? And we 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 touched on it before at the start of the podcast. You know, Romania, we have to look at you know Romania as a six point um, gain for us. You know, that's where hopefully we can get some guaranteed points in. It opens our campaign and it finishes it in Belfast. So. That's, I mean, that's where we have to look at, at six points, you know, and Romania, as you said, I mean, they've kind of been a bit poor since since Euro 2016. We all remember that campaign ourselves. They've been quite poor since then. They've had some changes undergone. I think we have to look at these games as as, as the six-pointer, really. Yeah, completely agree with that. I mean, normally you'd, you'd think opening game of the Nations League away to Romania, tough atmosphere, even though... Well, I would maybe argue we have slightly more quality than them. I'd say we are overall the better yeah, team. You know, going so. going away to Romania in the first game of a of a of a tournament, you know, you would say it would be fair enough. You know, we'll take a point there. We'll 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 get back to Windsor Park on Monday night and hopefully pick up three there. And it's always our our home form that's carried us through. You know, we we still, even though the the last sort of six or seven years has been amazing to be a Northern Ireland fan, we've still struggled at times away from home. I'm thinking, you know, the game we were at in San Marino and, and Azerbaijan, even though we won those games, um, we did struggle at times in them. Um, and I think it's just, you know, with that mind, normally you'd be happy with a point, but I think with no fans, and especially the fact that we're going to need to win this group, I think, you know, we, we I, I'd, be, I'd be slightly disappointed if we didn't get, get three points on Friday night. 
Well, yeah, if you're someone who loves their ranking systems, I mean, we are one place ahead of Romania currently in the FIFA rankings at 36, Romania 37. So, I mean, you know, it seems a fairly even matchup on paper, but I think, as you say, I would be a bit disappointed if we didn't come out of those two games with six points and then see what we can take from Norway and Austria. So I think Romania is the one I'm confident for, and I'm just excited to see how Barkov sets us up and attacks that game, because I think you'll see that as a as, as a definite three-pointer, um, you know, to start off the campaign. Yeah, I completely agree. And in terms of, like, I guess it's, I'm sort of jumping the gun on this one in terms of, like, a prediction, but don't, don't give me, you know, a prediction for this specific game, but would you say four points, however they come from these two games, uh, yeah, I think yeah would, would be good. Yeah, I think that's. I honestly, you're, you're talking about a minimum. If you do want to kind of progress through this this group, I think you have to look at four points as a minimum. You know, um, in these two games, yeah, absolutely. And four points, you know, would set us up very well for. I mean, Austria still to come to to Windsor Park. Potentially, that will be in front of some fans, if not a full stadium. Yeah, uh, UEFA are looking at uh, at getting you know, at least a third of the stadium into these November games or October games and November games. So, you know, that would be a big benefit to us. I mean, if they could just hold off for Bosnia. <laughs> uh, and then, and then let, let, it, yeah, let, let fans back in for the Republic of Ireland or Slovakia, you know, that will be <laughs> class. But, you know, <laughs> that, that could work for us. Yeah, Bosnia, just uh, go easy on the easing of those restrictions, would you, Slash? <laughs> Cheers. Um, that game behind closed doors and then and then we'll, we'll we'll find a vaccine around late october if that's all right <laughs> yeah perfect yeah in an ideal um, world yeah absolutely all right so i mean what as we were saying obviously uh, the listeners will have heard that interview with emmanuel but we're recording this on the friday night so we actually haven't heard that yet and uh, we haven't had the benefit to uh, to talk about what uh, Emmanuel has told us. So we're going to really focus on Northern Ireland because apart from Iannis Hadji at Rangers, we don't really know much about Romania. Yeah, do we? We don't, we don't, no, not at all. No, honestly, I remember a Stanku in the Euros. He was, uh, was in my fantasy football team, I believe. Yeah, I remember Euros, you, and, and you, he scored me a penalty, mate. I remember that, yeah. I was fuming. Yeah, I was you always Stanku, mate. Me, me and you always, uh, me and you are always going for these fantasy league titles. And I remember just watching France against Romania, like looking at your team, thinking, "I stank you, he'll do nothing." <laughs> France will win that four 0 Yeah, yeah. bags it, bags of fluky penalty. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. Penalty anyway, uh, by, by the way, the, the Spur to 2016 fantasy football league for the Premier League is up for next year. Um, I haven't got the code in front of me because I'm poorly prepared, but I will put oh, this in the in the in the bio. I'll have them on the Facebook page as well. A lot of people already Fantastic. joining that, so. You know, that'll Fantastic. be that'll be that'll be good. And we'll see if we can get a wee yeah. incentive in for that towards the end Brilliant. of the year. I'll see what I can do on that. Um, and obviously you you'll be looking you'll be looking to win that. But let's let's concentrate on international football <laughs> for now. Um and let's concentrate on Northern Ireland because as I say, we don't know a great deal about Romania. Um let's let's go on to the lineup. We always like to do this in the podcasts where mm-hmm. uh, you know we always talk about kneeled on positions and I'd say the two centre halves, Jamal Lewis at left back. Steve Davis is nailed on. And then the rest, um, you know, probably you could say, and I'm sure Paddy McNair will play. Um, George Savile hasn't been in incredible club form. So I'm going to say Davis, Evans, Cathcart and Lewis are your nailed on ones here. Yes. Um, and we'll start with the goalkeeper because, you know, in a lot of these, in a lot of these, uh, these preview podcasts, we've said Billy Peacock Farrell is nailed on. And I do think he'll still play. I, I would stick with Billy. I think at this point, you know, you've, it's an investment at this point. You know, you're you're looking at this guy being our keeper for the next ten years if things if things go well. Uh, but Trevor Carson has been uh, has been playing week in week out for Motherwell at the start of this season, and by all accounts, doing all right. So, do you think there will be a temptation in Barclough's mind 
to switch to, to Carson even temporarily because he is getting that football. And of course, as we know, uh, Billy Peacock Farrell hasn't really had a kick at Burnley. Yeah, I think we've we've spoken, I mean, countless times about Bailey Peacock Farrell and his playing time, you know, with that Burnley move. And we we did kind of look at it as a bit of an issue. You know, it's always a concern when your keeper's not playing. I mean, that's that's it never really fills you with confidence. So I think I think Barraclough will go with Peacock Farrell initially. And I think, you know, if there's any worrying signs coming with Bailey's play, you know, you will see someone like Trevor Carson come in who is playing regular minutes, you know. So I think he'll, he'll go with Peacock Farrell just in terms of not changing something that hasn't been broken yet, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it is it's still a concern amongst us. And I mean, he signed a new contract with Burnley, Peacock Farrell, but you just don't know where those minutes are going to come with Nick Pope and goal for them. You know, it's he's definitely not going to you know um, get that role off Nick Pope. So it's it's a difficult one with Bailey, but I think he, I think he will pick Peacock Farrell in this one. Yeah, I do as well. I think there, there's an argument as well. You know, there you'd say as as for quality of goalkeepers right now, you'd say Trevor Carson and Bailey Peacock Farrell are probably uh, fairly similar in quality. Hold on, yeah. sorry, my phone's doing bad things here. Um, you'd say they're they're fairly similar in terms of quality, uh, Peacock Farrell and Carson, but it's the the confidence blow that you would deal to Bailey Peacock Farrell as a young goalkeeper, you know, 21, yeah. 22 years old, to be dropped, you know, after, you know, I would say had a very good campaign for us, you think. Yeah. Uh, those games against Estonia and Belarus where he made big saves at big moments to keep us in those games. Yeah. Uh, in members' performance against uh, Germany at home where he made a string oh, of incredible right. he saves made as well. so big in that game, countless times. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I'd say he's had a really good campaign for us. So I'd say, you know, definitely no reason to drop Billy Peacock-Farrell at this point, even if you do see Carson uh, as a slightly better goalkeeper right now. Trevor Carson's well into his 30s. You know, this isn't the guy who's going to be uh, keeping goal for us in three or four years' time. So, you know, I think you have to trust the investment in Peacock Farrell. And, you know, Burnley have been happy to promote Peacock Farrell to second choice this year. They've sold Joe Hart now, obviously, to Tottenham. So Peacock Farrell will be second choice. Hopefully we'll be playing uh, in those those League Cup and FA Cup games. Um, And, you know, there's rumours about Nick Pope potentially going to Chelsea as well. So who knows in that one? Who knows if they would then look to bring in another first-choice keeper. But it is encouraging, clearly. You know, if Bailey Peacock-Farrell was making blunders every week for the under-23s, he wouldn't be promoted to, to second-choice where he's no. going to play in cup games, which are important. No. So, um, no, I think definitely stick with Peacock-Farrell for that one. Happy enough to move on? Yeah, has to. Okay, so before we talk about right-back, something that's interesting that I read in an interview with Ian Barraclough, uh, because Hearts have now been relegated to the Scottish Championship, they don't actually start their season until the 12th of October, uh, which is a good few days. Well, it's after the second international break. So by that point, we will have played Bosnia. We'll have played another two Nations League games on top of this one. Um, that's uh, that's an interesting one that Barraclough said he, he, he may actually not even consider those Hearts players. I mean, I'm sure they'll be in the squad, but you know, Michael Smith and Liam Boyce, Connor Watson's obviously got his move to Charlton and he will be in contention. But, you know, normally we talk about, uh, obviously Dallas is nailed on to play somewhere, but uh, whether that's in central midfield, whether it's further forward, uh, we've talked at length about how versatile this guy is for us. Uh, and we've talked about how Smith is an able deputy. But if 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 Michael Smith isn't even being considered, given the, the lack of match fitness and with Conor McLaughlin not really getting many minutes at Sunderland, I think Dallas is nailed on to play right back, isn't he? Oh, man, this is like, I would put so much money on that happening just because, you know, when I looked at the squad announcement, the first thing you see is there's quite a lot of, you know, pace and wingers in that midfield slot. So I don't think Dallas will be played out wide in, in one of the forward slots. I think he's 
right back is so nailed on for him. Uh, it, it, he's been playing well there. He is really a utility man. He can play anywhere. He's done the same for Leeds, and he probably will do the same for Leeds this season. He'll play a bunch of different positions. So I, I think I think Stuart Dallas will be he'll be playing right back in this one. Yeah, absolutely. And one thing I should say, and I make this caveat in every podcast, and I'm a broken record, and everyone's bored of listening to me, but uh, we're doing this podcast a week in advance on the Friday night. So if any, you know, there are Carabao Cup games, pre-season games, obviously the players will be in training. So if there are any injuries and uh, making you know, a position we talk about here completely redundant, then apologies for that. But circumstances have dictated that we've had to do this podcast uh, a little bit earlier. So moving on to central midfield, I guess the first question here before uh, before we actually name players that we're going to play um, is the question, you know, in bigger games and potentially in something that Michael O'Neill would have liked to do uh, for Bosnia away, uh, he liked to play either Corey Evans or George Saville on the wings, obviously Corey Evans on the right or George Saville on the left. I guess the question is, uh, would you be looking at, at, at playing out-and-out wingers or would you have one of those guys uh, out in the wing? Thinking about Bosnia as well. This is the thing because obviously he's got to have, you know, one massive eye, if this makes any sense, on a, on the Bosnia one. So what he might want to do is already kind of bed that system into these guys. I mean, it's a familiar system, certainly for, for some of these players that, you know, Michael was was fond of doing this. Um, but I think Barclough, you know, he might have a system. He might just want to be consistent with that, you know, with Romania, with Norway and with Bosnia. He might want to have that consistent system um, in operation. So, you might you you might well see him again. You know, deploy one of those guys out wide just to do a lot of a lot of Harry and a lot of track and a lot of um, of pressing. It's it's kind of just a system that has been quite familiar to us in these big games now. So I think he might he might well do that. You know, to try to bed that system in again and get them in. You know, get them ready for for Bosnia. Mm-hmm. The thing that my my view on this is that if you want to to pick up three points against Romania, which will no doubt be Barclough's goal for Friday night. Uh, you would play out and out wingers because I think we're a better team. Yeah. I think we can take the game to them. You know, no yeah. fans in the ground, so it's it's purely a case of which team is better. So I think Romania, if you take Romania on its own, I think without doubt you play out and out wingers. Oh yeah. With, yeah. If, if, if this is if this is purely being used as a dress rehearsal for Bosnia, I think you do play one of those guys out wide because listen, yeah. there's two big players that Bosnia have, and everyone's heard of them. It's Merlin Pjanic and uh, and Ed and Jacko. Um, yeah. And part of part of stopping Ed and Jacko is stopping the ball getting to Merrill and Pjanic. Um, yeah. And having, you know, say Corey Evans out on the right means that, you know, we saw him sort of play that position where he was in between right wing and centre mid against Germany at home um, and was able to, you know, really lead the press from the right-hand side in that game. And, you know, I just think it'll be interesting to see because Corey Evans can play that uh, position so effectively. Uh, it'll be interesting to see whether whether that's something he looks to do. I mean, we're, we're sort of guessing as well, because, you know, that, that idea of playing a central midfielder out on the wing is very much something that Michael liked to do. Uh, we don't know if Barclough's any interest in doing that. I mean, we've talked at length about the continuity between Barclough and Michael O'Neill, but, you know, Brian Barclough is his own man, he's his own principles, he's his own system, so we don't know if this is even something he's going to consider. Uh, yeah. But what I would what I would say, uh, and this I'll give my answer on this first, and then you can go after. I would uh, I would consider the fact that Corey Evans has had you know a, a massive massive layoff with two separate injuries. Uh, Corey Evans has played you know a couple of forty five minutes in preseason. I think tomorrow he's going to be playing in the Carabao Cup because their game has been uh, pulled back a week to allow to allow Evans to obviously come and play for us. So I would say you know, the Blackburn manager, I think it's Tony Mowbray there, uh, will be at, at Barraclough and, you know, not to be giving this guy 90 minutes uh, in both games. So yeah. you could potentially look at giving Corey Evans half an hour against Romania 
uh, and that would allow you to play your three in midfield and your out-and-out wingers. And then against Norway, where the opposition is slightly better, uh, you could put that system into practice, uh, which, which you know, obviously, well, we're assuming that's what's going to be played against Bosnia. But as I say, we've no real, we've no real idea because we don't know if some Sparklov's going to consider. But for me, I'd be playing out-and-out wingers against Romania, and I would be playing Davis and McNair, uh, and potentially actually Jordan Thompson in this game because he's playing yeah. regularly at uh, at at, uh, at championship level now. Whereas George Savile hasn't actually had the best season. And as we've said before, Savile's a good technical player and can be used off the bench for us. We've seen him effective off the bench for us before. Uh, so I'd actually be going Davis McNair and Thompson for this one, having a look at Jordan Thompson internationally. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I, I mean, I can't fault that at all. I totally, totally agree with you. I think just the thing about this whole, you know, playing, you know, your central midfielders out wide, I, I don't like overusing the word experience, you know, how experience really helps in, in games like this. But... I think with our squad, it's a different approach to it because, you know, you look at some of those youngsters there, like Thompson, Matthew Kennedy, Joe Cooper, all these guys, um, you know, Gavin White even as well. They have not played, you know, accumulatively many games for this, this senior side at all. And yeah. I just think that experience having Corey Evans in there or George Savile even as well, who's played quite a few games under his belt already um, against Bosnia, you know, it's going to be so integral. So like you say, bring that system in eventually but Romania maybe is the game that you do you know deploy the wingers you know in their natural positions and really go for that game and see what you can do with with wingers out wide you know because that's yeah. you know natural and it might be by a tough approach absolutely and you know there, there could be a situation where we're one nil up in 60 minutes half an hour to go and you see um uh, you know a Corey Evans brought on on the right to sort of sure things up a bit more that's something we could potentially yeah. see you know it's not necessarily just going to be that Norway game where we'll see that. But as I say, you know, it, it is guesswork at this point, you know, because we don't know if Ian Barrick lost any interest in doing this. Yeah, It was very yeah, much a Michael O'Neill thing, but, you know, we only we only have uh, what we've got to go off and it'll be interesting to see the uh, the teams that Barrick picks. Anyway, let's talk about the wingers. So we've said we'll play out-and-out wingers for Romania. Um, so as, as you were saying there, Gavin White's been sort of out of favour with Neil Harris at Cardiff. Hasn't been playing much football. Jordan Jones is completely... Out of favour at Rangers, um, as yeah. we're told, you can find a new club. I don't really know why that move hasn't gone through yet, but uh, you know, it's, 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 has Jordan Jones enough? Can we take a risk on Jordan Jones? Can we play him for fifty-five minutes to take him off? Or you know, it's it's a difficult one. Maddie Kennedy's been playing above uh, or instead of Niall McGinn starting games ahead of Niall McGinn in at Aberdeen as well. But Maddie Kennedy's uncapped, as you say, that experience with McGinn. Joel Cooper has done very well with Oxford, as we were saying, but uh, has play, just played in the Irish League, has no experience outside the Irish League. So do you really want to be throwing him into these games? I mean, who would be your two wingers? That's, I mean, to me, that's like, your guess is as good as mine in terms of why he deployed, <laughs> yeah. because I think we're going to really see a bit of his uh, of his bottle and his decision-making quite early, you know, with these games, because I honestly couldn't even tell you who had really played these games. Like Jordan Jones, we have fond memories. Jordan Jones, when he was playing for us, you know, we saw such dynamism with him and Jamal Lewis down the left. You know, it was genuinely really good to watch. Mm -hmm. But some of those games at Windsor, especially, were just, I mean, it was unbelievable. I mean, some yeah. of the wing play and some of the kind of link up down there. It's honestly, mate, your guess is as good as mine in terms of who's, who's going to play out wide there. I really don't know. You might even see, you know, McGinnis play out wide. You just don't know. Yeah. You yeah, really don't know what, what he's going to do. That's the thing. I mean, who do you think? Who do you think? You, you know, you can see him playing. 
as you say, it, it's really tough. There's nobody actually stands out as even a guaranteed starter on one of the wings. Um, Barraclough does have a big dynamic here. I mean, it's not a crisis. I mean, I'm looking at these players and these players excite me. I'm, I'm yeah, looking no, at, definitely, each, definitely. Uh, at Kennedy, um, again, Jones, White and Cooper. And I'm thinking all of those have something to offer. All of those, you know, would 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 benefit us in some way playing on the wings. But as I just say, it's, it's a bit of a level playing field at the minute. Um, I'm going to rule out Matty Kennedy. I'm going to say yeah. he's uncapped at the minute, and Barclough yeah. said he will be experimental, so we have to take him at his word on that one. Yeah, um, I'd be looking probably just to do what we've seen in the early Euros qualifiers against Estonia and Belarus, which were, you know, the wingers, the wing play was so exciting, especially from Jordan Jones. I'd take a risk in Jordan Jones because, you know, Jared, let's be honest, Stephen Jarrett doesn't care if he gets injured or not. Uh, I'd no. play him potentially for the first hour or so and have a look at his match fitness after that. Um, uh, I play him on the left, and I just go McGinn on the right, just because you know, with everything else yeah. being even, now McGinn, uh, you know, has served us so well. He's been such a great servant to us over the years, and you know, has has quality with that left foot cutting in. So True. I, I, I go Jones and McGinn, but you know, feel free to, to throw something else in. You know, would you like to see? I mean, if, if Joel Cooper was to start a game, you know, I think we'd be really excited to see that. But I just can't see it happening. Yeah, given I the can't see that. Said, yeah, it won't be experimental. Yeah, I could see Gavin White featuring. To be fair, I know he's out of favour there, but I could see him featuring a bit just because Michael fancied bringing him bringing him on in moments as well towards the end of his stint. So, I, I mean, I could see Gavin White maybe making an appearance there. Jordan Jones, as you say, is one that you might actually might actually be worth taking a risk on. You know, he is just really dynamic with his play, and I'm sure he'll still, you know, when he gets on the pitch, will still take his full back on. You know, I don't think that will have changed necessarily. So, yeah, maybe that's the gamble you go. I think maybe a bit of reliability with Nam again. You know what you're going to get, and then Jordan Jones, bit of a gamble coming back into the side. Maybe that's a balance that might just work for Northern Ireland. You know, in these games. And I, I guess you you could see him do something mad. I mean, if if Dallas wasn't quite too nailed on at right back, you know, you could say he could provide a reliable option on the wings yeah. for us. But uh, but I just think he, he's the only man. I mean, you could see Paddy McNair slot into right back and Savile playing midfield. I mean, it's it it is tough. You know, some mad things like this could happen, but we can't really predict it. Um, no. So I I'd be going Jones and McGinn. You're saying potentially you would go for White. Yeah, um, maybe but at maybe, least but maybe, in, you know. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. I think he definitely feature because you, you're. Yeah. Gavin White's Gavin White's been so influential off the bench for us in some yeah, games. Uh, I'm thinking particularly Germany at home where he absolutely came on and rinsed yeah, Nico Halsenberg. Yeah, um, incredible yeah. for us. So you know <laughs> Jordan Jones. We always talk about uh, Josh McGuinness coming off the bench. I think uh, I think Gavin White's a, a good option off the bench for us as well. But I mean yeah. that's the thing. You know if you're if you're if we, if it is nil nil on 60 minutes or even if we're potentially one nil down. You know it's a situation where you know we've got exciting wingers to come off the bench even if they're they're not playing club football or they you know have a, have certain different issues that means we they, they're not reliable to play from the start i mean bringing any of these guys on for the last half hour especially a kennedy or a cooper who's on captain is something to prove and has had a dream yeah. going through their veins you know that yeah, really yeah. could be that really could be an interesting one um, yeah okay we'll move on to the striker i think uh, every match preview we've ever done for this podcast there's been a debate over the striker not not a debate you know between <laughs> me and you sort of going at each other but there's yeah. there's been a question over who's playing nobody's ever nailed on uh, no. we're no further on in this discussion than we were two years ago uh, i think this is probably washington versus mcginnis for this one um yeah. because kyle lafferty's season doesn't start until the 26th of september uh, obviously got his move to uh, regina in italy um and Liam Boyce, as we say, Ian Barclough says he may not consider these Hearts players. Shane Lavery in the squad again, um, but will will he really start this game? I, I can't see it. I can see him maybe being a, an impact sub. Uh, Washington versus McGuinness. You always like to see McGuinness start, don't you? 
Well, yeah, for the longest time, I was a bit of a McGinnis fanboy, like in fairness. But I think what we there was a moment we did see something with Washington where you just saw the trouble that he gave people on the press. Like even we, when we were playing Germany as well, you know, our press and our system did kind of give them issues at times. So, you know, I I I do like I do like Washington. I think that move, as you say, to Charlton, I believe, was was very important for Connor. I do think that's going to, you know, benefit him in terms of our setup big time, you know, getting some, hopefully some regular football there, not playing with Hearts. Um, and he's getting, an, you know, an earlier start the season than Hearts are getting. I mean, I think, I think Washington's probably on paper your best one to start. And then you bring McGinnis off the bench. I think I'm siding with that kind of argument now, the way you've always kind of been. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, you know, I'm a big, I'm a big Washington fan. If you're a McGuinness fanboy, I'm definitely a Washington fan girl. Like, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> I, 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 I really do like him. It's, uh, you know, I think there, we've a lot of strikers who, you know, who are certainly better goal scorers than Josh McGuinness. There's absolutely no doubt, or than Connor Washington. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. There's absolutely no doubt about that. You know, if if a, if a chance falls, I'd rather it fell to Kyle Lafferty or Josh McGuinness. Rather even Liam Washington, Boyce, you know, yeah, definitely, yeah, Liam Boyce, hundred percent. Maybe even you know our, the best finisher in our squad. But yeah, my problem yeah. with these guys is, you know, especially when they're when they're not match fit, or even you know in McGuinness's in McGuinness's case, where I think he can be ineffective if he's played from the start. Sometimes, um, I you know I just think if Connor Washington doesn't score you a goal, he offers you so much. Whereas with some of these other strikers, if they you know they can do nothing but score the goal. But if they yeah. don't score the goal, they do nothing. If you know what oh, I mean. Yeah, yeah. 100%. So, uh, so you know, I, I, I'm excited for Washington. I'm excited for this move. Obviously, he had he's had to drop uh, down to League One from being a Championship striker in the last few years um, before his move to Hearts. But I think you know, at this point, uh, he was a bit unlucky last season. He took a while to get going at Hearts, but just before the lockdown, he was actually playing really well for them. Uh, yeah. And those their the Hearts supporters were actually saying that they would rather a lot of them were saying they would rather get rid of Liam Boyce, who was signed for big money in January. And yeah, his own big wages. Yeah. They would rather actually get rid of him than Connor Washington. So and that's, and that's you know, the what, man who scored loads of goals in Scotland. They're saying to get rid of in favour of Washington. So I mean, that's pretty yeah. big. Yeah, yeah, no spot on. So uh, I, you know, I think I think Connor Washington needs a big goal scoring season. He hasn't had one since uh, since his Peterborough days, really, about yeah. four years ago. I get twenty eight years of old, uh, twenty eight years of old. Goodness me, twenty eight years of age. <laughs> he can uh, he can you know he needs a big season now. He needs to score double figures at least in the league and I think you get the chance to do that at Charlton where Lebo or Yardos tend to play with two strikers so we'll get his opportunities there and I'm sure those fans will take to him I mean he's one of those players where uh, even you know even if he's not scoring the goals he'll always be a fan's favourite for his run and his energy and his, his passion and enthusiasm and I think that's why uh, Northern Ireland fans were uh, you know have, have taken to him so much over the years despite the fact that in his debut for Northern Ireland it was the first time he'd ever set foot in Northern Ireland so uh, yeah you know, true to, to pull that round is uh, is is interesting. So are we both going for Washington there? Yeah, I think Washington. I think Washington has to play this one, and then McGinnis off the bench. I think is the way to of do course. it. Always, always. Um, so I, I just wanted to quickly talk before I ask for your predictions. We're going to wrap this up now. You know, a lot of uh, a lot of Irish League supporters, uh, well, people who uh, who don't support Linfield in the Irish League, I've been a bit shocked at the the inclusion of Shane Lavery, and I think that's an interesting one because. Shane Lavery, you know, he didn't have a fantastic season last year in the league for Linfield. Um, there were plenty of players who scored more goals than him. A lot of Glen Tord fans mentioned the name of Robbie McDade. Uh, even, at, you know, at Linfield, there were, you know, Cooper was playing and, and Abby Waterworth were playing ahead of him. I mean, I think that Shane Lavery just has so much credit in the bank from those European exploits. Um, 
the, and at the at the end of last year or at the start of last year, sorry, those goals against Karabag, I think yeah. it's just a case of that. You know, European, you playing on the European stage, so let's get your recognition. And I think the thing that a lot of people forget with with uh, with Ian Barraclough, and I think it's something I always see in the England setup. You know, where a good player playing for a big team who hasn't been in great form all season gets picked ahead of, you know, a player playing well for for a a, a team down the bottom of the table, but. I think yeah. what people forget is it's not always a meritocracy. You know, it's not just your wee reward for playing well in the season. Ian Barclough has to win games. Ian Barclough has to look and see Shane Lavery and see, you know, he was really effective for me in the, the under-21s. And this guy is somebody I think I can use. It can't just be, you know, the best striker in the Irish League at the time gets the call up, regardless of how they'd fit into Barclough's system. Yeah, no, I think we've, like you've mentioned before, you've seen it with, you know, with England squad, for example, you know, Southgate has players that he's worked, you know, closely with under 21s and he's, he's loved his time with those guys. So, you know, that's just, I mean, that's his decision. And the day, Barclough clearly knows something about Lavery that a lot of us don't, ultimately, mm-hmm. you know, from working with him. And I think for that reason, you know, he's gone and picked him. And I, I think there's, there's definitely a logic there to that. And you'd have to ask Barclough, you know, more about that. You know, he knows more about that than we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, spot on. I was listening to an, uh, an interclough. Goodness me, I'm having a nightmare here, aren't I? An interview with Ian, an interview with Ian Barraclough uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, where he was actually talking about that that victory uh, in Spain uh, with the under-21s, which we've yeah. obviously talked about at length in our reaction podcast, Ian Barraclough being appointed. Yeah. But, uh, you know, he, what, he, what he said was, uh, I think it was Michael Clark, who's obviously been in this podcast before, uh, he, he asked him, you know, uh, about that first goal that Shane Lavery scored in Spain. Uh, and something that I picked up on uh, was that Barclough sort of said, you know, I always like my strikers to press, to press from the front. And I think that'll that'll go in, in Connor Washington's favour, certainly. Um, and also, you know, is po- possibly explains the inclusion of Shane Lavery because both those are, yeah. are energetic and they're both quite similar, aren't they? Oh, yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, in terms of the way they press and the way they hurry, yeah, I think, you know, there's just, it's a similar kind of mold of player there. Yeah, 100%. Good stuff. So we're playing Connor Washington, we're bringing McGuinness off the bench and maybe maybe even Shane Lavery for 10 if we need a goal. Um, okay, so in terms of prediction then, what do you think? I'm going to do a classic. You know what I'm going to say? I'm going to say 2-1. <laughs> I'm going to say 2-1 Northern Ireland. It wouldn't be a prediction show if it wasn't a 2-1 involved. <laughs> a, a nib 2-1 call, yeah. A nib no, 2-1, yeah. I'm I'm yeah fancy, I fancy it, why not? Yeah, yeah. I'm also going to go for a win. I think we're going to win one nil. I think you know our defence now is full of Premier League players. You've got Dallas uh, Evans, Cathcart playing in the Premier League, and obviously a good chance Jamal Lewis will get that move as well. And I don't think uh, Romania are are too inspiring up top. They they have Hadji, they have George Puskas at uh, at Reading as well. But I mean these are these are these are you know Championship Scottish Premiership players. It's not something that we should be. Uh, frightened of in the in the sense that perhaps we should be for a Hollander and our Nardovich if he's still knocking about for Austria. Um, so I'm I'm going to go one 0 Northern Ireland. Um, any other business before I wrap this up? No, that's fantastic. Just just doing you know it's probably same as you, just living through this uh this this strange world at the minute with coronavirus and just I'm looking forward to football. You know some international football. We've had some club football. Looking forward to the to the, the return of Northern Ireland football. You know I think we've all been waiting for that. Yeah, absolutely. We've uh, will have plenty of podcasts coming up now in the next uh, in the next three months or so. Um, plenty of games, eight games in total, or nine if you include the the playoff final. Yeah, I think we've a, wow. I think I think we've a friendly actually. If if we don't get into that playoff final, so, you know, plenty of podcasts coming up. Yeah, uh, I, I think uh, the the plan right now is to get an immediate reaction out to after Romania on Friday night, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. Good stuff. Um, so you know, we'll we'll try and get that out as soon as we can after the game. Uh, can't absolutely promise that because you know circumstances change. 
Um, and yeah, well, but we'll do our best and then we'll have a, a, re a preview uh, and a reaction to Norway as well. The preview will be uh, sort of linked into that Romania reaction yeah. show as well. So all that's left for me to say is thank you very much as always for coming on, Nip. No, not at all. No, I'm, I'm buzzing to kind of chat about these games with you and dive into some more some more football with you, man. Good stuff. Uh, so there'll be plenty more of us coming up. Um, so all else left for me to say is, you know, thank you very much for listening. Like the Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Um, and give us a wee review if you fancy that. It's something I've never said in the podcast before, but apparently that's, mm -hmm. uh, that helps the podcast get seen. Um, yeah. So yeah, we five-star review um, would be nice <laughs> on iTunes, Spotify or SoundCloud which are the platforms this podcast is available on. So, no, thanks very much for coming on, Nib. Thanks very much for listening. Uh, and we'll hopefully be back on Friday night with a, an immediate reaction to uh, Northern Ireland's victory in Romania. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. <laughs>